Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money, work less, so you can enjoy even better work-life balance. And Backrack here. Today, we have a special guest with us that I think you will find very thought-provoking and interesting. So get ready to take some notes and have your mind blown. John Castrina is a serial entrepreneur having started more than 20 companies over the last 20 years and still seeks to launch a new venture annually. He's an investor, a teacher, and a highly sought-after speaker who communicates with humor and a bluntness that engages and captures his audiences. He's the author of Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success, The Greatest Entrepreneur in the World, and The World's Greatest Business Plan. Welcome, Sean. Hey, we appreciate you being here today. No, it's great to be on the podcast. Let's just start with giving us a little background on how you got started on your entrepreneurial journey. Okay. Well, when I graduated from college, I got my dream job, and I was in grad school, one class away from a master's, new child, and we had a change in leadership overnight, and they cleared house and kind of lost my dream job. So at that point, I realized that, you know, employment was not a, a very secure thing, no matter how good you were or what your education was. You, you always had somebody who could control your future. And that's when I decided that, you know, I may work as an employee short term while I get something launched, but I would, you know, I would definitely start my own companies and, and I would dictate my own future financially and career wise. So that's kind of the genesis of it all. Okay. Awesome. So you talk about mindset, which obviously mindset is important in everything that we do. And you talk about it as one piece of the success puzzle. So first, let's talk about the importance of mindset. And then what are some of the other pieces? Yeah, I think the problem, I think mindset is is way overblown today. I think it's uh, mindset is important. I'm a division one athlete. I definitely know the value of knowing you can win. I understand the value of visualization. I, I understand. But if I don't have the basic talent, I could sit and visualize all day long and it's not going to make a hill of beans. I could sit in the corner all day, visualize and do affirmations about playing basketball. But if five, seven and a half and my jumping ability limited and my shooting ability limited, it's not going to make a difference. What I tell people is mindset's an accelerator. If you have skill or you have a, a good idea, mindset can take it to the next level. There's no doubt about it. But if you have a like a nonprofit, a bad business idea, it's bad. All the components of it are bad. There's not a market demand for it. You have no experience. You have not enough capital. You can, Mindset, again, is not going to fix that. Mindset's not going to fix that. So I find that mindset is an accelerator, but you have to have skill. You have to move forward on something that is a good idea that has the, you know, the foundations of something that's good. And then you add mindset to it, that belief that you can get it done, that, you know, you're highly driven, you're optimistic, you, you, you know, you, you, you have a clear picture of this in your mind and, and you work relentlessly towards that every day. Yeah, that, you know, you combine those two and now you've got something special. But mindset in and of itself, again, is an accelerator. It's not a skill and it's not a strategy. So I like that accelerator part of that for sure. How do you know that something is good? For example, if you're starting something and you say, hey, if it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. But sometimes I think we might think something's a good idea, 
maybe until we go through some process. What, what's well, your that's why I, that's why I wrote the world's greatest business plan, <laughs> because it, mo- most things have some degree of due diligence. In other words, an idea that's just something that you came up with and you haven't exposed it to criticism, counsel, uh, you haven't done a business plan or you haven't spoken with someone with a little bit of experience in that area. Just because you think it's a good idea, it doesn't mean it's a good idea. You know, you're, I always say, all my ideas sound good inside my head. And then I expose them to oxygen and or criticism and or critiquing. And then I go, oh, it wasn't quite as good as I thought it was. So I, I think, you know, most people try to get a little bit of feedback. And there's a different, I don't, I don't want opinions. I don't need opinions. I need counsel. So, you know, getting an opinion on something, that's worthless. Getting opinion from your friends, that doesn't mean that that's irrelevant. Getting counsel from somebody who understands the business you're looking to get into or the investment you're looking to make or has some understanding of it and you run the deal by them or the business plan by them or your idea by then and they go, yeah, I think that's good, but you might want to consider this or that. You, you, you know, there, there is a little bit of due diligence up front on things. You don't just run aimlessly. Because you can run aimlessly and run in the wrong direction, all excited, but still, <laughs> but still running in the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the other pieces then of the success puzzle? I, I think the success puzzle, number one, is I, people that are generally successful, they develop a skill, an understanding of, of an area. It, they're not jack of all trades. You Typically, if you watch the Shark Tank, for example, each one of the six – having a lane that they're most comfortable in. One might be tech. Another one might be products. You know, Lori Grenier. I, I might have messed up her last name, but Lori. And, and then, you know, each one of them have something. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Leary, he likes he likes deals that are licensing agreements. He likes kind of loans and things of that nature. Each one of them have an area that they have developed and they understand and they have a better expertise and understanding of. I think the key to being successful is trying to find that lane where you're going to develop a skill or a a really good understanding of an area. Example, I understand service companies really well, but I I would have no, I'd be zero help to you in in taking a, you know, a product to market. So you got to find your lane that you, you know, you got to have a skill, you got to have an expertise. You know, I, I just think that's important. Successful people, you know them because they do something really well. They typically do it at a world-class level. So you're going to have to find your niche and really develop that and develop a skill that you can monetize where other people acknowledge that you're proficient in it. That means you're so good at it that they're willing to pay you for it. And and we have hobbies, but proficiency means somebody thinks you're so good at it that they pay you for your expertise. And I, I think... That's one of the things that successful people do is they develop a proficiency, a clear understanding of something at a, you know, at that next level, you know, at an exceptional level. They're relentlessly focused. They don't jump from idea to idea every month. I heard a great story of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were having dinner and the senior Bill Gates was there and he gave each Warren Buffett and his son a note card and he said, can you, it was a dinner engagement. He goes, can you write down the one thing that you most attribute to your success? And he got the index cards back at the end of the night. And on the cards was the exact same thing, written by the two people that were the richest people at the world at the time and have juggled between the first and the fourth for the better part of three decades. But they're typically been one and two through, you know, through the 90s and early 2000s, most of the 2000s. And it was focus. 
the ability to have one clear thing that you're working on with no distraction, relentlessly focusing on that thing. Where you've got a lot of things moving around, but you, you know, the 80% of what you're seeing is the one thing that you're working on. Successful people do that. They're, they're like a dog on a bone. And again, unsuccessful people tend to jump around to new things all the time. Yeah. And obviously let distractions get in their way. Oh, yeah. And then, then it goes to the mindset part. Unsuccessful people don't blame people. They don't make excuses. They take ownership, responsibility of the project and or the endeavor they're involved in, and they own it. Unsuccessful people blame people, make excuses. And, and so that's that's a very big contrast between successful people and unsuccessful people. So true. So true. What advice would you give for people who they have a business, but they're really not growing or not growing at the pace they would like? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, there's always a reason. You know, everybody's looking for a trick shot in business. You know, get rich, you know, get rich fast or double your client base or double this or double that. It doesn't exist. There are fundamentals, just like in sports, just like in everything, there's fundamental. In business, there's three things that you have to do. And I guarantee if your business is struggling, it's one of the three. Number one is you have to attract customers. Number two is you have to sell, convert customers. They have to become customers, paying customers of yours, paying enough so that you have a profit. And number three is you have to fulfill whatever it is you sold them, whether that's a service product. That's the warranty. The, the entire service model is the three things. Typically, companies that are struggling in the first, before they, the reason why you can't get to a hundred thousand typically, and that's 40% of all startups, they don't make any money. 40% of all businesses don't make any money is if you're, if you're, you can't get to that hundred, that 250,000. It's always sales. You're spending time on something other than sales. You have to be 99% of your time in the first hundred thousand is sales, 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 sales. Sales covers a multitude of sins in a, in an early stage startup because it gives you cash. It gives you customers that give you feedback. You get, you know, you, you understand, okay, how the product, how long, you know, whether it's good, whether it's bad, what feedback are you getting? Is your services providing what customers want? Are you getting negative feedback, getting positive feedback? You can't do anything without a customer. And the only way you have a customer is when you, you have to get the yes. They have to sell. They have, you know, you've got to sell it. So typically people start a business and they get excited about setting up their office and their logo and their mission statement and their vision statement and all that. That's a hunk of crap. Make money. Sell, 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 sell. When you get to a hundred thousand, then you've earned the right to do a mission statement. So you got to, you know, you want to do the stuff that's fun. Selling is is your up to a quarter of a million. You need to be consumed by selling. Yeah, and so many entrepreneurs, at least that I know of, don't even want to pick up the phone to prospect. Uh, yeah, because of the owner. Well, they're the owner now. See, they yeah. skip. This is what I can tell you: the founder of the company and/or the co-founder of the company. Pre, I would say pre one million in revenue has to be the top salesperson. So if you think you're going to start a business and you're not selling and you're, and you're, and you're the owner, you're going to hire somebody at that level. You're dreaming because they're going to own your business. They're going to go out on their own. They're not dumb. They're going to realize I generate 70% of all the revenue. I bring in 70% of all the clients. You really think they're going to stay with you? You better give them 50% of the pie immediately if you've met that leprechaun, that one-eyed leprechaun, that person of that, you know, that unique, incredible person. Um, but 
the problem with most startups, again, they want to, they're an owner now and they want to network. They want to do all the fun stuff. No, you got to do the heavy lifting and it's sales, sales, sales. And it's absolutely sales up to your first 250,000. And it's still up to your first million. It's 75% of what you need to be spending your time on. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever wonder what it's like to mix business with pleasure? Then welcome to Happy Hour Holidays, where every episode is a celebration of stories, insights, and laughter. Join us, Sean and Manny Fabre, as we chat with fascinating guests from all walks of life, sharing their stories, uncovering secrets to success, and of course, enjoying a good laugh over a drink or two. So if you love engaging stories and a touch of humor, hit subscribe and dive into Happy Hour Holidays. Your adventure starts now. I love that. I love that amount of time. So I think you said this, everyone should think like an entrepreneur. So regardless yeah. if they are or not, what do you mean by that? It's the idea of an entrepreneur example. You, you may be working somewhere right now and your gift is not setting something up from scratch, but you're a really good idea person. You have really good follow through. You're a very excellent organizer of things. Why don't you look for profit streams for the company you work for and pitch them on them? Just let me give you guys just a, your audience an example. Steve Ballmer, okay, becomes, he's a, uh, a Stanford graduate student, 1980. Bill Gates hires him as his personal assistant. The average salary in 1980 was $12,000. He pays Steve Ballmer 50. Now, Steve Ballmer was the valedictorian of Harvard, and he knew Bill Gates from Harvard. So you're talking a highly smart person. Bill Gates is smart enough to pay this guy four times the going rate to be his personal assistant because Bill knew that he had weaknesses. Well, Steve Ballmer got in there. He was very instrumental in the deal with Xerox and handled all human resources and all. He became a partner, in essence, through his work ethic, through his ability to handle high-level tasks. Well, let's go 30 years forward. Bill Gates steps down. Steve Ballmer becomes the CEO. Now Steve Ballmer's worth over $50 billion. He's the largest single shareholder of Microsoft at 4%. That, I mean, you don't have to found the company to be somebody extraordinarily valuable. Let's go to Tim Cook with Apple. He comes on with Steve, with Steve Jobs' second stint with Apple. Under Steve Jobs, it I believe the, the highest valuation of, of um, Apple was over $100 billion. Under Tim Cook, it's now worth a trillion. Here was an employee. That's an, that's an entrepreneur. There's a guy who can independently create revenue independently oversee a massive set of operations. Last illustration would be, um, um, which we call it, Facebook. At 23 years old, Mark Zuckerberg does not know how to monetize Facebook. He goes to a dinner party where Sharon Sandberg's there. She's, you know, VP of global sales or something huge at Google at the time, VP of Google, and he pitches her and gets her to come on board. Now she's worth 1.8 billion, and we know the story of of Facebook. But at 23, he needed to bring on that next level person, that staff person. I call them MVPs. They you know, most valuable person. You need to bring on somebody or more valuable profit, any way you want to. You got to have that type of person. And, and I say, if you're working for a company, it doesn't mean you have to leave leave the company. Maybe you have to think differently within that company and be a Steve Palmer, be a Tim Cook, be a Sharon Sandberg. 
and I could go on and on and on. There's endless people that didn't have the original idea, but they're they're very brilliant, and they bring a lot to the existing company they work for, and then work themselves into a you know either a partnership position and or stock in the company, things of that nature. Wow, love those examples, and so important that it doesn't really matter if you are the entrepreneur or working for an organization, how you can really make yourself very valuable. I like it, yeah. most valuable person MVP. Yeah, yeah, and I and I say that or more more valuable profit. If you can bring comp, you can bring money to your organization, the company you work for. You're an entrepreneur. Pitch it, pitch it to them. And tell them, I, I can run this from top to bottom. I can bring more revenue to it. Nine out of ten businesses are going to take you. You know, they're going to promote you. They're going to make you a partner. They're going to see if you can do it. You don't have to go out on your own all the time. Sometimes you already have a, an, an, you know, a company that's already strong. They have good financials. They have some staff in place. I don't think you start something from scratch all the time. Again, Steve Ballmer worked out okay for him. Worked out okay for Sharon Sandberg. Worked out okay, okay for Tim Cook. I mean, these are extraordinary wealthy people, and none of them founded a company. What would be your one piece of advice above all else that you would give to an entrepreneur? I got to kind of give a couple. One, you got to know why you want to be an entrepreneur in the first place, because it's hard. 50% of all businesses fail. Nine out of 10 go out of business by the 10th year. So you got to be absolutely Relent, you got to know why you're doing it. I know why. When I wake up every morning, I know why I'm willing to put some things at risk. I like a very flexible schedule. I like dictating my own income. I like initiating ideas. I like putting teams together. I, I like working my way out of the job. So I, I, a lot of heavy work in the beginning and then I can move to something else. I'm, I'm very crystal clear on why I'm an entrepreneur. So the first thing is you need to know why you want to be an entrepreneur in the first place. And notice none of that was None of my reasons really had a lot to do with money because money is probably going to be the last thing you get. And then second, you, you have to be relentless. I mean, I don't know how you become great at anything that you're not maniacally focused on being great at. And we somehow think we're going to be a business owner. You got to be successful. People have just a, a, a little something in them that makes them do more than everybody else, makes them do everything a little bit better. They hold themselves to a higher standard. Every person that you can ever think of that's great, pay the price. When you think of Tiger Woods, he was hitting golf balls at two years old. You think of like Andre Agassi, his dad shot him a million golf balls from a tennis machine that, that he zoomed. He put like some super lawnmower engine in it when the kid was four. I mean, you go on and on. The great musicians, the great, they all, you know. Billie Eilish, I saw a story on her, you know, her and her brother doing music all, all, like 24 hours a day creating music. You got to be passionate about business and not necessarily, this is the last piece of advice in that is I don't, I think passion is an entrepreneur's mistress. Just because I'm passionate about golf doesn't mean I go do a driving range, but you have to be passionate about why you're doing this business, a component of the business. Maybe you love marketing, you love creating teams. You you got you to gotta have a few things. I, I don't think there's any one. I guess I probably convoluted it, but I think if I recap what I just said is you need to know why you want to be an entrepreneur. Number two is you absolutely, you know, 
you got to be maniacally fo you got to be focused on something you got to be relentless you can't stop you just got to persevere and then third within the business maybe you're passionate about the business you start and you're able to make money within your passion if you can do that that's fine but you got to be passionate about business in general like my wife says to me well you talk about business all the time i go well why wouldn't i i love it i love it so I, I think you know I may have made that a little, little complicated, but I think those three things are helpful. Not complicated at all. Know your why. Be relentless and focused. Hold yourself to a higher standard and be passionate. Is yeah, what that's I took it. From that. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm taking notes like crazy over here, Sean. Just in case <laughs> you need any backup, I'm I right behind you here. Any parting comments or thoughts that you would like to share? This is the only thing I know as a middle-aged adult who grew up poor with and created every opportunity. You can achieve probably 10 times more than you think if you work hard enough at it. Like I, I had no advantages in life that I can think of. You know, some people would say, well, you, you know, we'll make reference in this day and age to, you know, maybe being a white male or different things like that. So yet yeah, maybe there was something I'll I'll accept that as my one major advantage. But I, I basically grew up poor, had no money to go to college. Nobody ever gave me a dollar. Not overly bright, you know, average SATs. And I, I think my net worth would be shocking. So you can in this country. What I've learned is, is you know, if you work relentlessly hard at something that an area you know has a good market reception to it. You know, it's a good idea is what I'm saying. It's just unbelievable what, you can, what can happen. Like there's no excuses. That's my point. There, there's no excuses to not be successful. If, you're, if, you, if you wake up later and you're not successful, shame on you in, in this country. Yeah, the title of my first book I was going to name, Excuses Don't Count Unless You're Dead. And they told yeah. me that was a little too harsh. So yeah, just, it just, <laughs> yeah, but you can't. You know, everybody has something that maybe makes it a little more challenging for them. And maybe somebody has something that makes it a little easier for them. But being successful, unless you've inherited it, is, is it, and 80 percent of the wealth in America is earned first generation. You got to earn it and, and, and you can do it. It's just it's not the formula is not that hard. There's so many books on success right now. The information has never been easier to get. The blueprint, I would say success leaves footprints. And there's been a lot of footprints left behind for the for the you know for this generation to follow. Yeah, you just got to pay attention for sure. So Absolutely. speaking about speaking about books, you've got the eight unbreakable rules for business startup success that I think you're. They can get for free. Yeah, they yeah, can get it for awesome. free if they go to seancastrina.com and you can get that was it's a was a bestseller. It's really good. It's definitely for new entrepreneurs. I, I think it's quite helpful. And wouldn't you say even people who have been an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah, a lot of the everybody, every, yeah, because yeah. there's rules that you're not following. If your business is struggling, I'm, I'm willing to bet you one of the unbreakable rules you're, you're not following well. And probably I like the aspect that you said, hey, you can achieve 10 times more than you think you can. And probably there's some unbreakable rules in there that will help people do that as well. Absolutely. No, it's a great, I think it's a great book. I'm the author of it. So yeah, <laughs> and it's free. So you can't go wrong with that. Okay. So if you go to seancastrina.com, you can get Sean's free book. Any last parting comments? No, thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest on the podcast. It's been great. Thanks for being here. 
Well, my hope for our time together with Sean is that you got value and an idea or two that will help you be even more successful, personally and professionally. Feel free to share my podcast with others as they can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries, as well as at accountabilitycoach.com. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which you can also find at accountabilitycoach.com, as well as on most podcast platforms and in most English-speaking countries. And always remember to aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day, today and every day. Thanks for listening.